put on my profession. Log Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, for your quintessential listening poetry pleasure, my special guest is Jamie Bohauer. Jamie is a poet and independent author. He's also an educator who has been in the field for over 20 years. Furthermore, he is a popular blogger and author of the popular book, Under the Lights. He also wrote April 2020, a poetic time capsule of writing and living during a pandemic, as well as these words believing God in ghosts, excuse me, and father and son words apart. The topics that Jamie writes about, I'm so glad Jamie's here. <laughs> you guys yes. just don't know. You just don't know how happy I am Jamie. Okay, let me finish. Let me focus. Yep. <laughs> Jamie has explored topics ranging from family to heartbreak to mysteries of life. His writing is characterized by challenging his readers' perspectives and encouraging them to dig deeper in terms of thinking. Jamie is a loving father, loving husband. He has six kids, and he enjoys spending time with his family. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Jamie Bohauer. Welcome, sir, to the program. Yes, welcome. Good to be, good to be back. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> you see, I can't contain myself. I'm just yeah. so pleased that you're with me again. Yes. I, I have had the little butterflies all day, actually. So. <laughs> Jamie is my partner in crime. <laughs> and you will not believe this, good people. But a year ago, almost to the day, he was here. Last year. Yes. Almost yep, a year my, to the day. I know. That's because, remember, <laughs> our first episode had tech issues. Remember? Like it just oh, I Yeah, it just blacked out on us and we're like Okay. That's right, we had to do it again. Yeah. This show has yeah. had so many problems. Yeah. I'm surprised five years later we're still on the air. I am I can't believe it myself. Okay, let me focus. Let me focus. All right. Jamie. Jamie Bohau, let's talk about your book. The one I'd like to talk about is the book April 2020. Oh, yeah, that's a uh, that one is an interesting interesting one uh, because right. it has a, it has the poetry, um, yes. but it it has the story behind uh, the poem, and I'm talking, you know, kind of mixing my blog with mm-hmm. my poetry for that book as that happened during April um, and during the pandemic. And I, I, I just like reflected both on the writing, um, but also on what our, our nation was going through at the time. Okay. All right. Well, give me a little bit more about that. I mean, the pandemic 
affected all of us in different ways, so many different ways. So what was going through your mind at that time? What were you thinking? Um, well, the, the, um, the genesis of the book itself, though, was that uh, April is actually write a poem a month. Or yes. it's, it's National Poetry. National Poetry, um, yes. Yeah, and so there's always these challenges. Um, and I, I hadn't done that very often, um, but obviously um, that during that time, I had actually a lot more time. So I was writing the, the poems, and uh, our school, we still did online school, uh, mm-hmm. and so we had certain times that we were supposed to be online. So I actually kind of started uh, walking every day and I would read the prompt and then I would head out on my walk. And so I had time to process. Um, But in dealing with that, um, you know, as the news, um, you know, kind of scared us all. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It just ran. And as I was thinking about the prompts and, and, and stuff. And so I just kind of talked the, the poems can be, and I think sometimes are a little rough because, I I did publish that book independently just mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after uh, April and sometime in May. And so they were still a little rough because they were written that day. And then okay. I would write about what I was, was thinking and wondering, you know, to a degree if we would ever, you know, find our way back to kind of to, to normal or if, if things had drastically altered for all of us um, during that time. So as you think about that time and writing, did you think we'd make it through it? Does the writing reflect that type of uh, thought pattern that we don't know what's going to happen? Um, oh, uh, I, I think I even if I'm dealing with some darker emotions or stuff, I seem to always kind of try to have that silver lining but there's a couple i don't have that poem printed out but there's one in there i'm called mm-hmm. social suicide yes. um and it's a, it's about what it means to be a friend and being a friend is like you know uh shaking your hand but the world was telling us to stay apart family yes. was sharing a dinner but the world was t- and then i end it with um kind of the words um uh, stay away and it spreads out. Um, and so that poem is a little bit more like, boy, I just wonder if we're not just not going to make it. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I understand that. Um, what I'd like you to do is to share with me the titles of at least five of the poems in the book. Um, we, poems, we, yes. I did share one of them the, uh, last year. Uh, okay. remember, uh, the old man to the old man who was gardening, and that's yes. actually that first um, the first poem in the book because it was that day, and um, I am the uh, there was a older gentleman. He was out attending, you know, his his, his garden as if, you know what. I've been through a lot of stuff in my life and I'm out here making sure my flowers and stuff are ready, yes. uh, ready to go. Um, and so that one is, uh, is really hopeful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was to the old man gardening during a pandemic was, <laughs> oh. was the title of that one. Yes. Um, another one I could say, um, 
was uh, Follow Me Down. Um, and I think that one was kind of based, uh, the prompt was actually, I think, follow and then blank, like you put in the word. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about how everything was falling apart, going you know downward. And the poem itself is kind of based off of a little bit more relationship though like hey are you gonna follow me even when i'm you know kind of uh in the heading down you know into sadness or things like that um let's see trying to off of the oh i do have one printed off for tonight okay um, from from the book um it's called traps and it's a very short one uh but i'll you know wait for a little bit later when we read and then okay. one of my favorite, one of my favorite ones, and I don't remember if I read this one or not. Um, it's just a personal favorite. It's called April 7th Headlines. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, just through teaching and stuff, um, I have a website that has digitally uh, preserved uh, old newspapers. So you could go back to like the 1700s, the 1800s. And so what I did for the poem is went back and read headlines in different decades um, and then kind of combined some of the news articles together uh, to kind of point out that April 7th has always been and then April 7th will be again next year. Mm. Um, So that one, I know poetically, it's kind of more like spoken word and stuff, but it just happened to be one of my favorites because it just, it just reminded me that, yeah, we're in a tough time. And the headlines, like, if I remember right, one of them was a, um, a, about a gentleman who had an accident at work and left his wife and children. You know, he died uh, in this work accident, you know, and they had their turbulent time. And, ne- and at the time, it was like, okay, next year there's going to be an April 7th. We don't know what yeah. it's going to look like, but there will be an April 7th. So the reason I asked that question, and we talked about titling poems, I believe, when you were before, I want to go into that just a little further. What is your process like when you think about titling a poem? How do you pull that together? And including the title of your book. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, that particular one. Uh, Yeah, that one is um, some of the other books, like my uh, words, Believe Ghost. Yes. That title of the book is that's not actually a poem that's there, but I have some poetry that deals with us, with me, and with people dealing with the the pain and the aspects of your past. Yes, and so that's you know where that came from. Uh, the title of that book came from. Um, sometimes it, it, the title, honestly, to a degree, sometimes the title is part of the news. Meaning um, when I'm thinking of something or I get inspired uh, and then I'm all like, the, the title actually kind of shows up <laughs> and then it kind of is the, uh, ignites the poem. So it gives me kind of, most of my titles are pretty relevant to the, the poem that follows uh, with that. Um, and sometimes it, it is that traditional, the first line you know, mm-hmm. uh, aspect, like we, like the classics, they would do that like Wordsworth. Um, so, but other times it, it is actually the, the genesis of, of the poem. And so 
it kind of is part of the, for me, part of the mm-hmm. muse that hits me. Okay. You know, I've never asked this question before. Maybe you just answered it. So do you title the poem first? Do you have the title in your head first, then write the poem, or it's the other way around? Mm, uh, I'm going to say I probably, about 80%, I actually have the title. Okay. Because because the title generates, is for my poetry and stuff, is usually uh, a part of the theme of the poem. So I actually kind of, yeah, I I have that as the the spark for mm-hmm. now. Not every time, because the muse is picky sometimes, you yes. know. Um, and so, <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll I'll say eighty percent. I'll say eighty percent. Now, when I had an opportunity to to look at the cover of the book, it's beautiful. Tell me about the process for choosing the cover. Um, in that case, um, that is actually my own photo. Uh, Yes. Of, uh, somebody's flowers on the path, one of the paths that I walked. Oh, wow. Um, and I just, yeah, I really, I, I, even though the topic and the pandemic and all that fear and uncertainty and stuff, I, Mm -hmm. the, the, for this book, that cover just said, we need to you know, have some beauty uh, involved. Um, And so I kind of, you know, use a little filter on it and stuff. And with a little help from my second son, my second son is a a photographer. Um, Mm -hmm. He helped me kind of design it a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's all me basically. All right. Very nice. So the structure of the content in the book is it chapters uh, first, you know, how is it structured? Mm, that one is that one is structured uh, by the day because um, okay. I actually oh, do share what the prompt was for that day, mm-hmm. and so that they understood what I was thinking. And then, uh, so it goes the poem, and mm-hmm. if um, you know if there's any little bit of extra aspect, I, I sometimes share that. But then I have a section right under the poem that is titled "Story Behind the Poem." And that's okay. kind of, in a sense, where I blogged about the process. And then I actually also shared um, some very short stories uh, during the same time. On Twitter, there's a lot of hashtag uh, communities. Um, mm-hmm. And I write some very short stories for uh, the VSS 365 community, uh, the horror community, actually, and like Move Me Poetry. And mm-hmm. so it was interesting that sometimes the prompt for the Twitter community connected um, with my poetry too. So it kind of made a a complete picture of the day in regards to writing. All right. Very nice. You know, particular book was written two years ago. Yep. And you've come a long way in the last two years in terms of just life in general. What do you think you've learned about yourself, my friend? when you completed that particular book, who were you as a consequence of finishing that book? I think um, first and foremost, the, and part of the pandemic and then part of talking in the book and um, things like that, that this is going to sound a little 
spiritual and stuff, yes. but it, it's Please. okay. Yes, um, it is. You know that 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 I w- that I'm here, and mm. my family is here, and the people that are important in my life. I I think since then, I've really tried to make sure that they know they're here too. I know it's kind of a simple thing to say, but I think we all just want to actually know that we're here, that our space that we take up and the relationships that we have and and the moments that we create with people just build a little bit into, into our, this thing we call life and what we're experiencing. Um, So in a really weird way, getting isolated kind of taught me even more that we are here. We're here. Wow. I like that. So let's say that we were in front of a, I don't know, I guess Amazon, maybe Barnes and Noble. All right. (laughs) And there were a thousand people in line waiting to buy that particular book. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be. So you had a loudspeaker, a megaphone, a microphone, and you could advise them before reading the book, what would you tell them about the book before they purchase it? Um, I, would, I would say it is an honest, um, honest and rough look at one person's um, experience during the month of April. And it's honest, but it is still rough. Um, it's one of those cases as a writer, because you're supposed to write a poem every day during that month. Yes. Like, you know, there were a couple times I'm like writing poetry at 11.22 p.m. You know? <laughs> uh, because I still wanted to do that. I still wanted to be committed to the process, no matter what the day was like. Um, and, and so that's why I still, I think it's a little rough. Uh, there, but it's honest. It is, that is the day. That is what I'm feeling, thinking. This is what the muse inspired me to do. And in that sense, that's kind of why I kind of, uh, or decided on the time capsule aspect of the subtitle, because it is, it is just, it's that moment, not polished or anything along that line. Well, knowing you as I do, I know that it's honest. I know that. Yeah. (laughs) I know that it is. Well, everyone, it's time to hear Jamie share his work. Jamie, you're on, my friend. Okay. All right. Dr. Ingram, I hope you don't get mad at me, Um, but I really... (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) let me calm down. No, it's not not time for a question yet. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I really want to share the poem I wrote for you. You I just, I, I, in honor of, of what you do, um, and, um, you know, some people won't totally understand all the references, but I think, because you, you have, you saw it a, a while ago, but yes. um, I just think it, it highlights you and mm. a moment in your time. So okay. I'm going to start with that. And yes, I actually had this titled first. When I sat down to write this. All right. Okay. So this is called Returning Home for Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. As all children do, he returns home as an adult suitcase heavy with decisions, not from the past, but for the future. The porch light welcomes him. Shadows move behind pulled curtains. He is not ready to open the door. So he sets the suitcase down on the steps 
and walks to the end of the driveway where the night sky is clear. He ponders if the constellations know their names. He wonders if anyone is gazing at the light shining from his home. For a moment, he feels like a little boy again, wrapped in his mom's arms, playing ball on the driveway, hearing his parents say they love him. Hmm. A shooting star breaks across his vision. His head is flooded with a thousand shining moments, a galaxy of life he begins to name the constellations forming in his heart. He stands up, mumbling words of poetry, sending them out to the universe to let them find their way between the stars. He smiles as he turns to see that the door is open. End of poem. Wow. So and just we won't get into it, but you had shared, you know, you you had shared some of the the moments that you were dealing with that at that time, and yes. um, I do believe you were actually after our show heading or was already home, I think. Potentially. Um, yeah, and, and that idea of coming re- returning home, um, you know, and. The, the 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 vision the the idea of the suitcase with decisions to be made for the future yes. and yes. Um, you know things like that so well I think at that particular time if it was December seventh or eighth last year my mom was in the hospital yep and she made a transition later that month but, yep uh, so there was a lot swirling in my mind about the future wow thank you Jamie yeah. You're welcome. You're a good man. Good man. I'm glad you're my friend, but I'm glad you're my friend. I really am. And I'm telling that to the whole world. Jamie Boyle is my friend. All right. We are speaking out to the universe. We talked about the last time, too. Yes. Oh. Oh. All right. Um, I had one poem from the April 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, This one is short. And writing prompt was actually the word trap. T-R-A-P. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, And and it came up with just a really short, you'll find it out here in just a second, but I think the poem speaks for itself. Uh, Jamie, Jamie, you're breaking up. You're breaking up, my friend. Okay. There's a lot That's of static. One. Yes. That's two. <laughs> one of those nights. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Does that sound better? It does sound better. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll try it. Um, all right. So this is called traps. Not all traps are set with peanut butter or cheese, spring locked to kill. Some use our needs. That's it. End of poem. <laughs> Wait, would you share that one again, please? <laughs> I didn't have yeah. time. <laughs> I'm trying to produce and host. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have time to <laughs> settle back into my hosting. Please, please share that poem one more time. Thank you, sir. All right. So um, it's called it's called traps. All right. Not. Not all traps are set with peanut butter or cheese, spring locked to kill. Some use our needs. That's it. All right. 
Um, so in that case, it's the last line that's supposed to stand out that, that the traps actually use the things that we need to get us. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and, you know, sometimes you just gotta just, and honestly, so in, in the book, I remember in the book, I talked about Layton Hughes. Layton Hughes. Mm-hmm. has a, a great wide range of lengths and topics and stuff. And he's like, he's on, he's my favorite poet. He, right. I got introduced, introduced to him in, in like junior high or, or such. Um, and you know, Oh, I'm not going to do it. Just, he's got one about paying rent. That's like, mm-hmm. I think 15 words, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just like, I can pay rent. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, like I just, I like that. That's right. <laughs> so, oh, all right. Um, I have uh, uh, one here. It's called This April Snow. And this actually is written in poetic form called a roundelay. And it uses uh, some refrains. So there's repeated lines um, fitting within the rules of the poem. This one's a little bit, uh, a little bit personally sad so this is called this april snow the morning starts coffee maker aglow window reveals flurries passing by a winter wind rattles my ribs temperature low no one will notice the ice in the corner of my eye i smile as i fall apart like this april snow gently moving down from the steel gray sky A winter wind rattles my ribs, temperature low. No one will notice the ice in the corner of my eye. I try to capture a moment from a photo. I only hear the memory of your goodbye. I smile as I fall apart like this April snow, gently moving down from the steel gray sky. I try to capture a moment from a photo. I only hear the memory of your goodbye. The days are now unplanted rows. Loneliness knocks at the door, ready to testify. I smile as I fall apart like this April snow, gently moving down from the steel steel gray sky. The days are now unplanted rows. Loneliness knocks at the door, ready to testify. My breath says another love I may never know or feel the freedom of days in July. I smile as I fall apart like this April snow, gently moving down from the steel gray sky. End of poem. All right. You know, I view you as being very self-aware and your poetry also demonstrates, illustrates self-awareness. How does yeah. that process work in terms of developing self-awareness in poetry? What would you need to do? Um, um, I think part, okay, this, uh, it's, I'll connect the dot. All right. I, I, because I, my process, because this is tough. And you, oh, you have talked to so many poets and have probably <laughs> learned all kinds of different you know, routines that they have and philosophies that they have, um, you know, some things like that. So 
every poet is a little bit unique. Um, even like Langston Hughes, he said he, he, not many of his poems he actually worked on. He would hit, be hit inspired. And most of his poems came when he wasn't feeling very happy um, in his book, uh, The Big Blue Sea. Um, and so for me, though, I do get like the first draft is on post-it notes and notebooks and all that stuff. And then to a degree, I the second draft or the rework a little bit, I'm thinking of the reader. And I'm thinking about how I have these emotions and everybody's emotions are unique, but yet we're universal. Mm. Okay. And mm. so I'm like, how can I make sure um, that you understand my moment um, that I have with this poem that you can at least connect with uh, and feel some of that same or recognize uh, a similar moment uh, and therefore actually at least enjoy or understand. And so I have to look at myself and understand, am, am I expressing this whatever emotion? Because I, I do have joyful poems and stuff, not as many, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and I, it's like I have to know that I'm expressing that because then it will connect to the reader. Because if it doesn't connect to the reader, then you don't get the full artistic expression of what you're, what you're writing. And so I have to look at and decide and understand if I'm using the correct metaphor, the correct simile. Um, and sometimes if I write in a poetic form, I got to fit the rules. And that's a challenge mm-hmm. in its own self. Um, but I, I'm always analyzing that and like, okay, am I getting it across so that the reader understands it? Cause then in some really crazy, cool way, there's a bridge built, you know, between us. Mm-hmm. Now, as I've listened to 300 plus people in the course of the last <laughs> five years, there are many poets or individuals that I've worked with or heard they write for themselves. It's primarily uh-huh. yep. just vent. And yep. your take is different. How do you feel about that? Do you ever write for yourself to just get it out of your system, or is it always for the reader? Oh man, that you, this is this is a, like a little bit of an unpopular opinion moment here, um, because I, I I understand that point of view, and in fact, to a degree, I actually write for myself first. Like the first okay. draft is me um but if we're to be a poet an artist um a painter you know you have to be cognitive of who's receiving it Mm -hmm. so that it is fully expressed for the reason that you wrote it for example we're, uh, because we just uh, actually studied this poem in class this week, William Wordsworth's poem, uh, The World is Too Much With Us. Okay. It's a classic poem. It honestly, as a poem, it's just William Wordsworth complaining uh, about how modern society in the 1800s had sold its soul. You know, it's just him venting about this and how he would love to go when, the, when life was better in the good old days. 
but it is constructed in such a way that as my students, as we read it, like, yeah, our society has sold our soul, our, our powers to getting and spending, meaning just working a job, having money, and that's all our lives are. And that's the same thing he was feeling. He just got it expressed so that the reader and even students, uh, you know, now connected. And there is a crazy bridge there for a moment that they go, Wordsworth, yeah, we understand. <laughs> wow. I'm going to need to process this some more. Because... <laughs> I've heard from so many poets. <laughs> I just need to get it out of my system. <laughs> I don't care about anybody else, whether they like it or not. It's yeah. for me. I need to I be cath- it needs to be cathartic. This is my moment. This is my time to, to, to unburden myself from all this chaos in my mind. And I can't disagree, but I think... If they're trying, okay. Oh my gosh, you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> yes, I am. That's my point. That's my goal. That that <laughs> that I deep down they do care, or else they wouldn't share it. All right then. You know, okay. like they're yes. they're and they they in doing that, it is therapeutic. I mean, writing has always been therapeutic in all kinds of, of forms. But deep down, we're, even if it is our internal chaos and a mess and we're venting and stuff, what we're doing is trying to see if somebody goes, yes, I feel you, I see you, you're here. Okay. Now, they, they do, you know, like they have, and all kinds of people for uh, different reasons have that point of view. I don't care what other people think. And they have that front. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, deep, deep down, I think all of us simply want to know that somebody sees that we're here, that we are valued, and that's how we express ourselves, you know, in, in this world. All right. Well, I agree <laughs> with that. I agree with that. Now, you shared a poem with me that you wrote for me. I'd like yeah. to share one with you that Langston Hughes wrote. And oh. I think this one may be the one that you are referring to. It's called Madam and the Rent Man. Is that it? <laughs> I, I guess. I think that's it. <laughs> the Rent Man knocked. He said, how do you do? I said, what can I do for you? He said, you know, your rent is due. I said, listen, before I pay, I go to Hayes and right away. The sink is broke. The water don't run, and you ain't done a thing you promised to done. Back windows cracked. Kitchen floor squeaks. There are rats in the cellar, and the attic leaks. He said, Madam, it's not up to me. I'm just the agent, don't you see? I said, naturally, you pass the buck. If it's money you want, you're out of luck. He said, Madam, I ain't pleased. I said, neither am I. So we agrees. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the one or not. Uh, there's actually another rent one, another but yes, one. yeah, he, he he's got a couple about the rent. Yeah, I just googled Langston Hughes and paying the yeah. rent, and this yeah. this is the first one that came up. 
But that one is okay. good. Like, I love the ending of that because it's like, oh, yeah, well, hey, we're on the same page. But you're still not getting paid. You're not getting paid. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh. Well, honestly, the rent man still calls me, but that's another story for another yep. time. <laughs> Back to you, my friend. Give us one more set, and we'll take a break. Oh, okay. So um, I I actually <laughs> getting ready for the show, so yes. I got to grab these. I actually went back, and I got a couple of poems from, like, way back in the day when I was in college. Oh, wow. Um, so it, it was interesting uh, dealing with a, a couple of those. Um, so it, just to see that – a different style, you know, see my, see a little bit of my growth um, there. So um, really quick before I get, I'm grabbing a couple <laughs> from that, that timer. So like, have you ever yes. had a poem move you to, to tears? Well, the one that you read earlier about me, that almost did. <laughs> <laughs> if I must be honest. <laughs> well, that was a little teary-eyed. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that Thank one. You, that one is that one is connected to you. You know, that is your yes. moment um, right. with, <laughs> with with that. So, um, but not even just on your show, like because you've done other cool stuff in the poetic realm and yes. stuff. Yes, I have. So, yes, I have. That's how okay. I answer that question. Yes. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, so I got a couple, and this is actually um, from my very first book of poetry, which I actually indie published in college um, <laughs> way back in like 1997. So <laughs> there's a lot of nines in that date. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one is called uh, Trees. And the, this is a free verse um, kind of one, um, but it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> trees. It seems so unfair that trees are stripped of their protective leaves to stand naked before winter's bitter air as nature's breath falls in degrees. Other animals grow in fat and fur, but there is only bark left for them. Like a body's skin stripped to reveal veins, a tree's limbs grow clear and warmth is vain. What past sin? What transgression? Does God blame you for bearing fruit, for letting knowledge drop onto our hands? We have lost count of our daily sins. Now each fall we count the leaves bagged and raked, once green and full of life now dry and forsaken. Sorrow scratches my eyes, for you have no blame in my human faults that caused you naked shame. End of poem. Oh, so obviously that one is a little, you know, I, I don't know. I was just one day, you know, in the middle of winter and stuff and, you know, that connection is like, it, it seems trees, like, mm-hmm. get the short end of, of the stick of nature, um, and then making 
you know, the reference, is that a little bit of penalty, you know, for going back to the, the simple uh, story of, you know, Eden? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, well, let me ask this question before you continue. Now, yeah. is spirituality, is there a flow or a base of spirituality in your work or things around spirituality? Talk to me. Tell me. I'm trying to figure that out. Um. Uh, so the the simple answer is yes. Okay. Um, and the simple the simple complex answer is that honestly, I truly believe that love and however you want within religion and God connection and all that that's up to every individual. Um, but I do believe that love is the most powerful thing there is Mm -hmm. i think we battle different human nature other things to get that expressed and uh society has messages against it but you know at the heart of it i love and sometimes that message run you know keeps that silver lining uh with the darker poems and stuff and things that that i write about all right. <laughs> oh, all right. So this one is also from the my first, very first book. Um, this one's called The Haunting. I'm haunted by a thousand goodbyes, reminding me of all the past lies that have crushed me like rose petals in an angry gardener's hand. There's a knock at the... There's a knock at the future. I am apprehensive to answer the knock for every time you open a door, you have to close it. I'm haunted by a thousand goodbyes. Every hello makes me shiver for it is the start of a deteriorating cycle filled with tears and smiles. Angry accusations, star-filled embraces, high noon shout-outs, 3 a.m. kisses, and always a goodbye. I'm haunted by a thousand goodbyes, each with its own voice, each cracking the glass pane of my heart. There's a knock at the future. I can't answer the knock, for there's no more room for another voice that will forever tell me goodbye. End of poem. Jamie, speaking (laughs) of the word haunted, in your book, These Words Believe in Ghosts, did you write a poem, um, hopefully it's you, <laughs> about a group of you and your friends in an old theater, an old building, and you and you uh, there were ghosts in the building? No. Not, <laughs> no, I was not. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was my bonding moment, and it just fell flat. You, no. Are you sure you didn't write a poem that... When you were in high school, there was like a a, um, a building. It was like a, a, a mental health facility, an old um, I want to call it an insane asylum. That your friends that you'd go through at night, and that wasn't you. No, that wasn't. Me. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, um, <laughs> well, whoever it was, I really like that book. 
I <laughs> maybe it even was maybe it wasn't even a poem. It could have been a short story. I don't know. I'm sorry, but back to you. Oh no. Um... <laughs> this is not going well. <laughs> Go ahead, my friend. Hey, after you know being three hundred and third guest, I'm sure some stuff just like <laughs> yes. Yeah, cut me some slack, everyone. Yeah, no. And, <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I, I do have a, there was a couple poems in there that have, mm-hmm. but um, there were more of uh, not reference. It wasn't that kind of reference. Okay. Um, with, with, with that. So, oh, no, that's a, believe me, as a teacher, the remembering stuff that, you know, it's just like, your head gets pretty clouded with, with some stuff um, <laughs> with that. So no, no, no worries there. Okay. Thank you. Buddy. It, oh, cause now actually, okay. Cause you mentioned that and I'm all like, cause I had just listened to a couple episodes, the newer ones, uh-huh. but it actually triggered a little bit that I may have heard that one. Like, was that? Okay. Anyway, we're getting off. Topic. <laughs> we'll have to go back and look at all the episodes. We are on the air, Jamie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> we're on the air. I mean, <laughs> we're just shooting the breeze, but we're on yeah, the air. Yeah, we're just, you know. <laughs> the two old friends just talk. Yep. All right. Back <laughs> Please support of your work. <laughs> I am so happy you're here, buddy. I oh, I am so glad to be here. This makes my December. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more poem and then we'll take a break. So you okay. Can get some water. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So this is this is actually a prose poem, um, which okay. means it's supposed to look on the page and kind of sound like like a story or something. It's a, a form that I don't feel very comfortable with, but okay. I really kind of like the idea. Um, and so this is uh, uh, one uh, that's not in a book or anything. A few people have heard it, um, but this is uh, relatively new within just like a couple months. So this is called Mile Marker 51. I really thought I would see my feet shuffling on a decline, but I'm at Mile Marker 51 and still climbing. I admit the view is spectacular. The whiteness of the clouds seem like a cutout from the silken blue of the sky. My heart whispers that forever looks like the horizon in my view, a landscape painted with every color in the box. Yet I am tired, standing here at mile marker 51 and still climbing. My fingernails are ragged, fingertips caked with dirt, my boots worse. And I can feel the hole in my sock underneath the ball of my left foot. I have such a weird gait, always being pulled to the left, having to consciously make myself walk to the right to get here to mile marker 51 and still climbing. I look down at the path I've traveled, some steep inclines that felt more like rock climbing than living. Other times the path slowly wandered across the mountain, almost parallel with the horizon. My breath is tempted to head back the way I've come, but I'm here at mile marker 51 and still climbing. I stretch, take a swig of water, and step forward. I watch a hawk glide above me as I maneuver the path ahead of me. My calf tightens 
As I step on an unstable rock, I clench my teeth in anticipation of the pain that could bring me down. But the next step is smooth. I look up to find the hawk, noticing that I still can't see the mountaintop. I smile, albeit a weary one, as I move away from mile marker 51 to continue to climb. End of poem. Wow. That was beautiful. I like that. Mile marker 51. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) We're going to take a break, but I want to ask you a question that you can ponder while we have a break. Okay. Was there a moment when you can pinpoint when you realized a writer, a poet, an author was inside you? And we'll be right back. We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Jamie Bohauer. And again, I want the world to know that Jamie <laughs> is my friend. He's my brother. No, we don't look alike. <laughs> we don't talk alike. <laughs> we, very, we don't do very many things alike. But <laughs> he is my brother. And uh, like I said, again, it's always yeah. an honor for him to come back, to be back on this show. And maybe we can schedule it every year. That around yeah. this time, we're together, buddy. All right? Yeah. Now, answer yeah. my question, which I don't remember what I asked you, but answer it. What did okay. I say to you? <laughs> what did I say oh, can, can I pinpoint, pinpoint a moment. Yes. The, the moment we, that I knew that this was a part of who I was? Yes, yes. I... Interestingly enough, oh my gosh, you're going to kind of make me tear up now. Um, mm-hmm. my, I had an English teacher. Um, I, just really quickly, I, I have a really interesting, rough uh, growing up story. Okay. So we'll just leave it at that um, for now. Um, so this English teacher, like I started – I started writing bad love poetry in seventh grade for a girl that I don't even know where she is anymore. Um, you know, just, you know, that, that's, that's who I was. I was, um, but then I, you know, he introduced me actually to some poetry books and, and things. And then my senior year, he actually took one of, one of my poems and he actually took the time and put together actually a program 
to where our, I think it was our music teacher or somebody from his church composed a song, uh, an artist actually painted, because uh, the, the poem was about a, a rose and um, the story of, of growing roses. And then somebody was reciting the poem um, and put this, this kind of cool program together that it didn't last too, you know, very long, like 20 minutes or so, but still. And I think that moment when I got, that's when I, I guess, started to truly understand that people experience the art. All right. And by knowing that that's um, was happening, then I, you know, yeah, I guess that's probably when I just decided, like, I was like, yeah, I, I am a poet and um, continued to write and do stuff. And uh, even in college started some poetry groups and we had wow. one group that met at, almost close to midnight every night in front of the science building. <laughs> and, we, and we read poetry by the security light, um, you know, and I just, um, but it's interesting as you talk about, uh, as we have talked about different moments in life and stuff, um, mm. to, it actually then took though uh, me and I was actually in grad school when I finally decided to indie publish uh, my first, my first book. And I did that the old school way. I panhandled it, a physical copy to uh, coffee shops and, you know, all those things. Um, and, you know, uh, just did some crazy stuff that way. And then life kind of happened and I wrote my fiction book. And then I'm like, okay, where, why is not, why don't I have more collections of poetry? And I, started, you know, with the technology we have with Amazon and, and stuff and started publishing um, mm -hmm. just on my own. So. All right. <laughs> oh, you know, I've got a question for you now. Yes, please, please <laughs> ask me a question. So, the last time. Let me say this. Listening audience, you know I never answer questions. You know I <laughs> never answer questions. I don't like it. <laughs> I hate being put what? on the spot. <laughs> True, I do it to people <laughs> yep. four times a week. But <laughs> I don't like it myself. <laughs> okay, but for uh, you, Jamie, you're my you, brother. I'll let you ask. Yeah. Go ahead. You, so you shared that you actually don't write much poetry. That's exactly or like right. you don't, That's true. So what actually brought you into this world? into talking to poets and being involved um, with some of your other organizations and, and stuff uh, that you've done before. What, so what draws you to this world? Wow, that's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to answer. Uh, let's see. <laughs> what brought me to this? I think it was just something that, I don't know, I just – Recognize the importance of being able to vent, being able to release it from your system, to get it outside of you, to put it on paper, and if you put it on paper, then maybe you can share it out loud. It was just some something. I, I, I don't know. 
I don't know why I've continued this journey like I have for so long. It's been about 30 years now. And I don't, I can't, I don't know. But I just knew that it was important for me to be able to speak my truth, to lift my voice in a way that may have been unique. But it was a way for me to just breathe. So I breathed through poetry. And then there were others around who wanted to breathe as well. And they started taking breaths through poetry and it just it just kept going. That's a great question, Jamie. It's a wonderful question, man. Uh, and yeah, I, and you you got a, like uh, that breathing aspect that that's so poetic and stuff. And I do think, yes, maybe a little spiritual in that sense, but poetry right. and all kind of art actually, I believe, like painters and uh, people who draw, like it gets in. To you, it's like in mm-hmm. the spaces in your joints and your bones, and like it, it, it in a sense is, it's not you because you got other things also. We all have, yes. you know, other things, but it yes. has to builds up into your hands, into your mind, you know, and then it, then it comes out and it, you know, or exhales. Um, if we keep with the the breath metaphor and stuff like that, so yes. that's well, awesome. Well, here's a question. Here's a question for you. Now, this is the first time I've ever asked this particular one. What okay. one thing would you give up to become a better writer? Ooh. Um. I would um, – okay. oh, I'll, well, I'll answer it, too. I'll answer it as well. I'll answer it, too. You answer, and I'll answer. I, I've got something. Because kind of crazily, I don't make – I would give up money. But I don't really make much as a poet. <laughs> you know? Well, um, then there's nothing to give up. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like, make um, much, man. <laughs> what are you giving up, Jamie? <laughs> you got to do better than that, man. Think of another one. Think of another one. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay. I, I, would, I would give up five years of my life. To 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 know that my skill set, and then from then on, like I would be able to to produce poetry and words that make a positive ripple in in this world. All right. And I've got six kids, so knowing that I would big family, yes, yeah, I would, yeah, because to a degree even why I write part of the why for me is actually also a record for my kids. Oh, wow. Very nice. You know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Mm-hmm. What, All uh, right. what would you give up? What one thing would I give up to become a better writer? I think I would give up fear. F E A R. I would give up Ooh. the fear that my work is not quality I would give up the fear that my work is not accessible where people can understand it. I would give up the fear that, well, just that, I don't know. I would just give up fear about this whole process, this whole thing. That's particularly why I get to write a second book. The first book was published in 2020. No, no, 2001. 
Yes. Yeah. Or 2020. One of those two. Yeah. 2000, I think it was. Yes. 22 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I was, so, gonna say, I was like, yeah. from, <laughs> what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I would give up fear, man. I would, I would do it like the 300 other people, including yourself. You just, you just do it. You know? Oh, yeah. But yeah, oh, that is, it actually is a little bit of a of an interesting question because in a sense, sometimes those internal sometimes we deem them negative emotions do spark and drive us a okay. little bit. Okay. Yes. You know, and and I think your um, honesty about the fear and stuff, but for what you have done and what you're just in this uh, your your show here, because honestly, oh my gosh, you're like in the top 0.01% of people who do podcasts, you know, saying, because most of them are over in like four weeks or so, you know, yeah. like, um, <laughs> and, and you've been doing this for years. Come rain or come shine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Come hospital visit, emergency room, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the air. <laughs> Crazy as a bed bug. But <laughs> a poetic bed bug, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, but that your answer about the breathing and having it in you also. Like I, I bet the your cycle is a little bit that 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 ignite uh, ignition of your spirit and that breath out conquers your fear. All right. Well, you I'm disagree. I'm more disagree. Now the problem is that we have to inhale, and a lot of the times what we do inhale is what other people think, um, yes. what yes. society says about us. Yes. Um, what the Maybe what somebody might say, you know, even that uncertainty. So when we breathe that in, then that, tur- you know, um, makes us turbulent inside. Mm-hmm. Man, we, are just, we are going deep tonight. We're <laughs> just like... <laughs> well, I knew I had to come with my A game tonight because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> I had to be prepared. Back to you, Jamie. Give us another set of poems. Another set of poems, please. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you're running out of space. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> all right. So I, I, I have I have one that I I kind of wrote to uh, to generally to some of the younger poets that I have okay. been. Um, conversing with and yes. um, and things like that, and uh, technically it's called to a young poet. Um, right. <laughs> um, and so I wrote this and kind of in response to hearing their works and talking to them and meeting them, and even to a degree sometimes you know a, a few people reach out and I I try to help them you know mm-hmm. uh, with their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of honesty about how I kind of maybe some of my fear. Um, at the end of this one. So this is called To a Young Poet. I feel your words, the angst of youth crossing every T, the deepest questions dotting the I's. I once raged on the page as you do. Now I envy you. 
It's not that the words have abandoned me. They can flow like water at times, creating new rivers of discourse through the landscape of my life. But I find it harder to get the words to bleed, to cut through the skin, to pump through my aorta. But your words fill the poem with emotion, needle to a vein, band-aid needed after reading, two cups of orange juice just to have enough energy to get off the page. Maybe I have run out of blood or have become too afraid, filled with, rare, filled with fear and age to let my heart be seen by the world because I've learned that I might speak truth, but the reader always has their own connotation and too many times they don't match. End of poem. Wow. Wow. That actually ironically kind of connected exactly to what we were talking about. You see, I'm quiet because I'm contemplating what I heard. And how it's registering within me. Yeah, I kind of forgot how I actually did talk about the fear um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 that idea, you know, building that metaphor of deeper, you know, the blood in us and and stuff. That's crazy. But I chose that earlier. <laughs> give me one more, then I have a question for you. Okay. Um, this one is from an, the. Um, uh, from the second book, actually, from my years. Um, mm-hmm. This is called Left at Home. This one's short. We are always traveling roads that never bring us home. Through snow, sun, and sin, we try to find the destination for our heart, a place to rest our feet, and pillows for our heads to rest. In a panic, we pat our pockets, turn in a circle, and check again. But we left our hearts on the kitchen counter, so we stop, turn around, and hope we find our way back home. Wow. End of poem. You know, my friend, you've been writing for a while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How has your work evolved or changed as you've aged as a poet? Um. And looking back a little bit, and uh, I think I can pinpoint when I I I made a jump okay. um, in my in my skill set, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but mm-hmm. I decided to go on a personal challenge, and we touched on this the last time just a little bit, um, but I wanted to write poetry in lots of different forms to kind of learn about poetry beyond just what I had learned in high school and like what I had read, you know, and um, doing that challenge and studying the poetic forms and actually then looking how uh, all poets, modern and uh, classic use these forms to get their, their point across in such unique ways. And then, very fluid sounding ways with like simple things like syllable count. Um, And then also there are some really hard poetic forms to get the rhyme correct and to build a refrain or a a line that's so good, it can be repeated, you know, through, through a poem. Um, And so now I feel that I, I I just feel a little bit more confident. I feel my skill set. 
uh, is stronger. And and I I honestly am amazed on how much I actually just, I write. Mm. Um, I I have uh, on my blog, on just my blog, uh, I probably am close to now 150,000 words. Oh, um, okay. wow. on, on, I, I probably got close, you know, to thousands uh, of poems and they're not all good. You know, yes. I'm not saying anything like that. I was just thinking uh, about that. You know, Langston Hughes wrote Robert Frost, hundreds of poems. But honestly, we only really, the general populace only knows a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even like the Robert Frost, I'm like, most people know about three or four of his poems, but yes. he has hundreds of poems. And nobody, like, you know, it's not that people don't read them. It's just not lots of people read them, but they still wrote, um, you know, uh, so... I, I feel blessed. Uh, that maybe is the better word. I feel blessed that the muse still hits me and I mm-hmm. still have my heart in this and I still love the craft and um, love talking. You know, just like you, th- tonight I was just energized all day, butterflies <laughs> all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, and so that moment of doing the challenge and I did 100 of them and <laughs> – yeah, it helps. <laughs> well, I don't mean to put a downer on it, but you know, oh, there I are know. some people. <laughs> wait, no, no, not the end of the program. But there's some people who believe that poetry is on its deathbed, that it's dying. <sighs> Do you agree or disagree with <clears throat> this statement, and why? Man, you're you're gonna make me unpopular for like <laughs> like. <laughs> oh, it won't be the first time. Go ahead. No. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, bud. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> so, honestly, to to a degree, I, I'm going to say that. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. All right. Okay, but here here's why. All right. Then. I think right now, the influence of the very quick consumable, the 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 idea of what. TikTok has kind of done a little bit with music, you know, just, we just want these little, really great little bites of stuff. And then we move on. And I'm afraid that poetry is getting chewed up in that kind of mentality right now. Okay. And if it is not bite-sized for people, they don't, aren't really interested but here's where the hard part of the answer in an all honesty within social media, even, and as people, I think, start to really feel again and coming out of the pandemic, I'm referencing that to a degree, meaning coming out of that isolation and making connections again and and just opening up. I do see people finding their way to one of the greatest ways that we express our deeper emotions, which is the written word, which is poetry, because I think poetry connects and allows us to be honest uh, 
on the page without sometimes having to feel like you have to write an essay, meaning have to have all these rules. And so I believe, though, that poetry right now, right now, is is hurting, but I see a flood of like that pendulum, like coming back. How how's that for an answer? I like that. You know, my friend, you've written a number of books. Are you hoping that your books resonate with a wide range of readers, or are you targeting a specific group of people when you write? Who do you want to read your books? Oh, <laughs> um. I think people who who enjoy my writing and stuff mm-hmm. enjoy things that are just a little bit deeper than just shallow level things. All right then. So I um I I was on Twitter and just as a, and I actually told the group of people that were in there how old I was and they were like <laughs> what. I came across a little bit younger without seeing me. Um, And and I think that was good because it meant that my words, my poetry didn't, you know, that I shared that day connected with them, that there was not any, even that generational um, type of gap or, or anything in that regard. And so I, I hope that people who want and just to, to think, to feel a little bit on a deeper level are the ones who enjoy uh, my work. All right. You know, we're almost at the end of our poetic journey, my friend. Yep. <laughs> but I want to ask you before, I want you to, be, to share three more poems. But I want to know first, if you had to describe your work in three words, what would these three words be? Uh, honest. Okay. Deep. Deep. And varied. All right. Very nice. All right. Because, yeah. Well, now it's time for a poetry concert, and people know I love poetry concerts. (laughs) This is an opportunity for you (laughs) to share three poems back-to-back with no interruption from me. (laughs) Jamie Bohauer, the stage is yours. (laughs) Okay. Well, I... (laughs) All right. So uh, this first one is um, called uh, it's called Sorrow, and it's written in the poetic form of a um, Shadarama. Like a tree solitary on horizon of the mixed grass, prairie, sage and cactus, speckled green and sea of sun drenched buttes. You wonder what a storm could bring a single seed to such a dry land, break the ground apart, drop it deep enough to give the tree a chance to grow all alone in this bare world. You sigh as you feel your heart beat. End of poem. This one is free verse, um, and it's called I Wish to Stand. I wish to stand not in woods with two paths, not on the on-ramp of a busy highway, nor on the edge of the sea. I wish to stand on the horizon, the vast line of everywhere, both sky and land meeting forever, the colors mix so well there. 
Blues to purple to blood red, orange, white to gray to fields of gold. The horizon has no time, no shape, no boundary to escape. It flows with the cornfield, breaks with the glacier, outlines a city and mountain alike. I wish to stand on the horizon. I wish to stand on the edge of everything, to be everywhere, every second, as I stand. End of poem. Okay, so this last one, a little bit of a downer. Uh, And this is a uh, nothing in the world. It's written in the poetic form of a trimeric. A minute, a second, a lifetime. I'll find the ragged edge of ending. Nothing resists decay forever, not even our love. All find the ragged edge of ending, even our initials carved into a park bench read by strangers stopping for a moment. Nothing resists decay forever. Letters crumble, photos fade, technology crashes into the void. Not even our love will be remembered past the stories we tell our children. End of poem. Jamie. Dr. Ingram, I so <laughs> love being here. I'm not finished. Okay, okay. <laughs> what do you think your poetry states or shit or says about being human? Um, that I'm in the overall, co- if you kind of do the overall collection, I yes. think it says that being human is hard, that... Mm-hmm we find um, love and darkness sometimes in the exact same moment. And that at the end of the day, though, the overall collection is that we matter to each other and that love is the one thing that, that can make our lives, not just a day, make our lives. All right. You know, after listening to you, knowing you, I feel as if you found your voice in terms of your writing, what you share, and correct me if I'm wrong. But what advice would you give to young poets, as you talked about earlier, in terms of finding their voice? What should they do to find it? Uh, um, I'm going to go with Ray Bradbury on this one. All right. Um, He, in an interview, and I think it was in the late 70s, um, he actually honestly said it took him 10 years of writing stories and stuff like that to find his voice that he finally wrote a short story that he's like, that's me. And so on that level, I think you have to, to write, but you have to write in different ways because we, especially, um, poets and all kinds of writers, you know, can get kind of stuck telling the same thing over and over again. Um, And that if you write and you write a lot and in different ways and to a degree connecting back to that moment that you shared so honestly about fear Mm -hmm. is that sometimes you have to tackle that fear to write in a different way because as a young poet and stuff, you get those applause, you get that ego boost, 
from this one style. Mm-hmm. And I think that can hinder you because your voice has to find itself. It's not always in just like one you know type of poem. It's found in adventuring into different areas and strengthening different aspects um, of your of your style of your voice. So don't be afraid to be different and be okay writing differently for a while um, to see what it can do for you. Very nice. I want to thank you, Jamie. Bo, how are you? <laughs> are the man, <laughs> the man of the hour. Uh, <laughs> I, now, don't, you, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't either, good buddy. Uh, now, you shared that you write short stories too? Yes. Well, you got to come back to share your short stories. I'm opening okay. up a little bit. I'm branching out some by by inviting writers who share short stories, flash fiction, those kinds of things to come on the mm-hmm. program. So we'll schedule that for the next time that you'll share your short stories. I'd love that. Yes, yes, I have. I, I yep. I flash fiction to actually just a touch longer, but no, but yes, short. Um, well, again, whatever that. Yeah, expanding a little bit. Yes. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. I want you to come back in. We won't wait until next December. We'll do it sometime in the middle of 2020. <laughs> All right? Yes, you, you, are right. Such a, you are such a blessing to, to, to the poetry community and oh, to you, all kinds of people. I just, <laughs> this was awesome. <laughs> it was, man. I am so glad <laughs> that you're in my life. As my yes, buddy. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we've connected. I'm Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, all right. Where can listeners find your work? Um, I have uh, an Amazon author. And so on that author page is actually linked to my personal, like my blog um, that I talk about life and dad and writing and stuff. So that's on that page too, plus all the books. Um, that I have, and I do have a new, uh, my newest poetry collection will be out after the new year. Oh, wow. So that, now, that you, one, you make the statement that you, as an independent author, but you yeah. don't say self-published. Why is that? Is because there's a, you know, there's two different words. You don't say self-published. You said independent author. Tell me about that just a little bit. Um, I think I like an indie, the idea of the indie author, because I publish other things, too. I actually have an audio EP on Spotify. Um, I have, uh, I do two podcasts, um, (laughs) one with my, with my son, um, and then one where I break down the lyrics of songs, um, just because I like to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I publish in more than just one medium and yes. I, I just indie it gives you a little bit of that independent and I can do a little bit what I like to do. All right. Then. So, all right, then. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so if a person wants to stay in touch with you, they go to your website. How do they reach out? Um, 
The best way is uh, I am on Twitter. Um, my handle on Twitter, though, uh, is uh, jdog90. Um, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> I remember that. That's one thing yeah. I remember. <laughs> I, you know, I, I got onto Twitter in 2008 <laughs> when you made up funny handles. Yeah, and you know what? I just didn't change it. I was like, I don't care. I like it's just, that's, that's that's me. <laughs> but my first name, like if you, Jamie Bullhauer is actually the the other part of the title. So I'm not behind any. You know, it's just the handle part is unique. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jamie, I don't, I don't want to say goodbye, good buddy. I really don't. I'm just asking just strange questions yep. at this point just to keep you on the air. That's okay. I like strange questions. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing anything oh. to, to make it stick, man. But I want to thank you again for just being you and uh, helping others and reaching out and being the educator that you are, being the man that you are, the father that you are, the husband that you are, the friend that you are. And I admire all those things. Thank you. But, you know, it's what's interesting about life and stuff mm-hmm. is that we build honest connections with people. Um, mm-hmm. And you kind of find your community. Yes. And sometimes life gives you those people. Like, Dr. Ingram, you're, I just. Michael, Michael, please. I, Michael. I, I I understand. I know, but I I respect you so much, and I know the the time and and Doctor Ingram just elevates for me. It elevates you, um, and gives you respect for right. for all that you've done and all that Thank you, you have accomplished. Um, yes. And so I I just like. Um, and every once in a while in an email, I do say Michael. Um, right, right. <laughs> you know, but I, your, and the things that you've done, and not just with this show, like you talked about your poetry um, organization that you had a while ago, um, uh, you know, and, and stuff. And we, if you remember the last show, we talked about how we, send the words out into the universe. Yes. You know, um, mm-hmm. and uh, your energy and the, the stage that you give for other people that is so uh, wonderful and the opportunity, and you have been doing it for so long, like <laughs> all the people you have influenced and given a, a voice to, and, and to a degree, that's why I do address you as Dr. Ingram, because, you are a powerful force in the poetry community. Oh, wow. I know it, it, you don't always get to hear that to a degree, no. but it is thankful. I, I have touched uh, base with a couple of people you've had on your show before. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yep. Um, I'm well, not going to name Hopefully I'll talk names. to me behind my back. All right. No, no. I'm not, it's just you, you need to know that you're a blessing. Also, thank you. Thank so, you, sir. I appreciate that. Yes. And I appreciate <laughs> it. And like I said, again, the reason that I do continue, people like you. And that's the universe. Like, you know, giving, giving us a connection, giving us a moment, 
giving us a, a chance to share in the stories. Yes. And it's it's wonderful. All right, buddy. Okay, I know you need we have <laughs> to go. All right. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Jamie Bohauer, he's amazing. His work is out there. Visit him on Amazon, on his website. Pick up these books. He's incredible. He's my buddy. He's my godson. All right. Good night, everyone. And as I share with you every episode, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Good night, Jamie. All right. Good night. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.